This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of the Arsenal Raw Reaction Show. Joining you uh, this morning at 8am UK time. Um, I'll start with an apology uh, for there being no 8am show for the last two days. You know the reasons why. Uh, I was travelling up to Nottingham on Saturday and travelling back from Nottingham uh, on Sunday and was uh, had a great time in London yesterday to kind of just take my mind uh, away from football, if you like, with some good friends and... Uh, very much enjoyed that. So uh, I was able to kind of take here my mind away from football, but um, very much looking forward to this show, actually, to have a chat with you guys to talk about it. Um, before I go into the chat, before I actually go into Arsenal, I do want to talk about something else very quickly that I think is, is far more important than, to be honest, anything that's happened um, Arsenal-wise uh, over the weekend. And those of you that aren't aware, hopefully will be made aware by this as well. And that was in uh, Real Madrid's game against Valencia yesterday. Um, Vinicius Jr. was the subject of significant racist chanting um, from the stands at the Mestaya Stadium. Um, the player was later sent off after a, um, a clash with Hugo Duro. Um, and uh, it was a chaotic game that included one of the most bizarre moments I've seen on a football field where um, a second ball was kicked to stop, I think, Vinicius Jr. at the time from, from getting into the box and uh, chaos kind of ensued from there. And uh, during that moment, sadly um, and frustratingly and annoyingly, uh, racist chanting was heard and seen by Vinicius Jr., who tried to raise it to the referee. And he came out after the game um, and posted on Instagram a very poignant message, which he said, the championship that that once belonged to Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, Cristiano and Messi today belongs to racists. It was the first time, nor the second... Uh, nor the third racism is normal in La Liga. The competition thinks it's normal and the federation does too and the opponents encourage it. A beautiful nation which welcomed me and which I love but which we agreed to export the image of a racist country to the world. I'm sorry for the Spaniards who don't agree but today in Brazil, Spain is known as a country of racists and unfortunately for everything that happens each week I have no defence. I agree. 
but I am strong and I will go to the end against racists, even if far from here. That was his statement that he made on Instagram. Um, Carlo Ancelotti also spoke after the game and said, what we saw today is unacceptable, an entire stadium chanting racist slurs. I don't want to talk about football today. There is no meaning in talking about football today. I told the referee he should have stopped the match. La Liga has a problem. For me, Vinicius is the most important player in the world. La Liga has a problem. These episodes of racism have to stop the match. It's the entire stadium that is insulting a player with racist chants. The match has to stop. I would say the same if we were winning 3-0. There is no other way. Um, and I didn't want to not talk about this this morning, um, even though this is an Arsenal channel, talking about Arsenal things. This is something that we know at the channel that, uh, unfortunately, our listeners and some of them have to suffer themselves and we don't shy away from talking about these things. So if you're unaware of this situation, I would recommend going and uh, giving a research and a read and learning some more about it because it's certainly worth your time. Um but certainly from our perspective, we condemn anything related to racism. And um, yes, uh, it's a real shame that we have to start the show this way, but I felt it's important to do so. Moving to Arsenal, good morning to everybody joining us in the chat box. Hope that you are doing good and well. Matt G, good morning to you, to Anne, to MJ10, to Franklin. Uh, good morning to Carl and Gary, runs with Cal's Guna, Jake, Sesan, uh, Sweating Merlot, PJ, Matt, Tomo, uh, James, Peter, Omar, Martin as well, and plenty more of you guys too. Thank you. I can feel like a TGT sneeze is coming in the background. So uh, <laughs> if that happens, I'm sorry, but I'll try and catch it with a mute button if it indeed does arrive. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Arsenal, and let's talk about uh, Saturday's game. Uh, I was there at the City Ground. Uh, I adore Nottingham as a city, and was there for three years of my life at university, and it was a great experience going back. And I did post before the game that. If you'd have told me that when I left seven years ago that I'd be returning in seven years' time to cover Arsenal as my job, I would have said you were mad. So it was a very a genuinely and a genuine a bit emotional experience arriving uh, in Nottingham and and having a bit of a nostalgia trip. But there was nothing positive or nostalgic or necessarily um, encouraging about what football I ended up watching on the field. And Arsenal's title ends. Um, in, I think, you know, one of the worst ways we've ended it with that whimper. I remember talking with Elliot in Chicago from the Arsenal Vision podcast about Arsenal's end to the season. And we said the worst thing that can happen at the end is that if we don't win the league is that we go out with a whimper. And it th that's what we have done. Now, I think there are reasons behind that. And certainly we'll talk about those. Um, but it is really disappointing that the season has ended this way. It's disappointing that we weren't able to push Man City right to the end and keep the pressure up and that they were able then to throw out a, a second-string squad that still beat Chelsea. <laughs> it really is um, kind of crazy, you know, the depth of that team that they can put Grealish and Gundogan and De Bruyne and Haaland and, you know, all these players um, on the bench and and still end up winning games. It shows you the depth and the the mentality as well. Even though you've won the league at this point, that you're still going out and winning the game at home for your fans so you can lift the trophy in your home stadium. It wasn't... I really didn't think it would go this way, but unfortunately it has. And, and Arsenal know um, that ultimately the end of their season form has just just not been good enough, um, despite the reasons which I think are genuine and that we will discuss. Um, talking specifically about the game, um, I I don't know why Mikel Arteta went with the, 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 the tactics of the back four. I don't really understand how it was meant to work. Um, 
for those that have been living under a rock, the back four on the day was Partey, Kivior, uh, Partey at right back, Kivior at uh, left back, and uh, White and Gabriel in the middle. And it completely um, imba- it created an imbalance in the side. Um, and so that everything was then so weighted towards the right-hand side in the game. What you typically see from Arsenal system when Zinchenko's playing and Ben White's at right back is you have a balance because in the forward line, there is a skew towards the right-hand side with Erdegaard and Saka being our biggest ball players. Um, Martinelli's a great runner in behind and Jesus at centre-forward kind of um, not only tries to score himself, but obviously collaborates and links up with the forward line. But with Erdegaard and Saka on the right, you tend to see a skew of chances towards the right-hand side. You tend to see a skew of the ball in Arsenal's side towards the right as well. However, with the Zinchenko situation on the left and the influence that Zinchenko has in the team, that brings balance because he's the most progressive force in that back line. And with it coming from the left-hand side, with Xhaka also in combination there, it creates a much better dynamic in which we see progression, in which we see... um, you know, forward passing into those areas and also allowing Martinelli to escape and get open spaces and Jesus dropping deep and things like this. And, you know, that didn't exist in Saturday's game because with Partey being on the right and Kivior being on the left, the whole dynamic of the the invertedness of the back four switched. It flipped to the right-hand side. And so when you've got a team with your right-back being the most progressive part of the back four and your right-hand side of your midfield and your wide areas being the most influential, it meant that nearly all of the attacks were going down our right. And players like Leandro Trossard were, for huge parts, particularly the first half until Kieran Tierney came on, um, really underused. Um, And our left-hand side suffered significantly. And it made it much easier for Nottingham Forest to kind of defend against and predict what was going to happen. And they dug in. And they pounced on a, a loose ball and a poor pass from Odegaard, who will certainly not be happy. And I'm not happy about the decision-making behind that pass because it was blind and it was presumptuous and ultimately it led to us conceding that goal, which ended our title hopes in, in the long run. But we didn't then, with all the possession that we had, even if we were getting into some good areas on the right-hand side, we created next to nothing you know the chances we created weren't good enough yes we can point out that Nottingham Forest defended really well and they did and the referee I thought tried to give Arsenal as much opportunity as he could you know Um, wasn't blowing for certain fouls which probably should have been fouls didn't give Saka a yellow card when he absolutely deserved a yellow card and uh, booked players for time wasting as well at the harshest of moments so I felt like the game was given as much of an opportunity as it was. Yes, I know there was a penalty shout for Jesus. I don't think personally it's a penalty. I think it's very soft if you give that. And if the referee doesn't give it, VAR certainly isn't going to give it. But uh, it was really disappointing. And Arsenal lacked confidence. They lacked cutting edge. And uh, we lacked, you know, passes into those really good areas. So... Really disappointing uh, approach, really disappointing demonstration and execution of any plan that was that was there. And uh, Nottingham Forest deservedly won, stayed up. And a massive congratulations to Steve Cooper and them. I was in the room in the press conference listening to Steve Cooper after the game. It was great. I was in the mix zone after the game. And the, the scenes after the match from a Nottingham point of view were, you know, um, Keate coming out, FaceTiming his family, um, Steve Cooper coming out, hugging his family. Um, it was, you know, if it was 
it was an emotional from a point of view of, of seeing Nottingham Forest supporters in that area and the stewards and people like that that have obviously been Forest fans their whole life and you know they deserve to stay up this season and next season's going to be very very tough for them as well because they might not be able to spend the amount of money they spent this season but you'd think they'd be able to gel that team together but from Arsenal's point of view it could not be more juxtaposed I've never seen I've never seen the um the squad leave the ground as quickly as they tried to leave the ground uh, by the time I got to the mix zone it was being packed up. The players were leaving. The staff were leaving. Really were coming out as fast as they could. And thankfully, I did manage to get um, a word in, which we'll talk about shortly. But I don't want to talk about Gabriel Jesus as well, who I thought really struggled. You know, he had a number of chances. He had the header at the back post, which I think was the best chance on the day, but couldn't quite get it on target. Uh, a number of chances in the box. Um, he just lacked that finesse. Um, really did lack that... Um, early season four that you know and since he's come back from the injury you know we saw a few games when he first came back where he was scoring goals looking confident looking better than he'd ever been and then like the rest of the side has experienced a significant drop-off perhaps again that drop-off began with the exit of William Saliba and Tommy Asu from the side and those two being out really have taken a huge dent to what Arsenal have been looking to do but yeah, I thought Gabriel Jesus really struggled. And it raises questions for me about what we need in terms of the striker position going forwards. Not, I don't want to see Jesus go. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I think we need some variation. You know, Kieran Tini came on and started whipping balls into the box that were aimed at no one, you know. And I don't think Tini's going to be here next season. But it doesn't mean I don't think that crosses still won't happen. It doesn't mean that I think that corners can't be more dangerous. And I do think we need something to give Arteta a little bit more physicality, a little bit more um, vertical presence uh, in the side. So that in moments where you need to be a bit desperate, and there are times in the Premier League, no matter who you are, whether you're Arsenal, Man City, Forest, Southampton, sometimes there are times you need to be a bit more desperate and having something physical and vertical and you know threatening in those areas is uh, certainly something that can be helpful. But you need to combine that with a striker that's got quality and technical skill. And I think there are forwards out there, but it'll be interesting to see if indeed we can get a deal done for any of them in the summer. Now, I think the fans deserve more. You know, the away fans were brilliant. I was uh, I was with a fair few of them before the game as well, having a chat. Um, and uh, the best part of their day, I think, was uh, speaking. Um, uh, and uh, certainly for the... I think I spoke to Mike, who was at the game, and um, he said that he doesn't even remember the game. Right? It was really not a memorable performance whatsoever. But I don't like misinformation. And I want to make this very clear to everybody that may have seen tweets from multiple individuals that I've now noticed and had to correct after the game and yesterday as well, that the, the spread of misinformation for me is one of the worst things that you can do on social media. And anything that you post, you should take care, no matter if you've got one follower or 100,000 followers, because it's not right. And suggestions that Arsenal's players didn't go over to clap the fans is wrong, because they tried. And as soon as the game finished, Ramsdale and some of the defenders were turning around and clapping the away fans, even though they were obviously gutted at the time. And then Moore tried to actually go over and approach the fans to actually speak with them. 
but they were turned quickly away by uh, stewards because there was a fear of a potential pitch invasion because obviously Nottingham Forest had secured safety with their uh, with the 1-0 win. So the players were quickly um, kind of ferried back into the side of the stadium and weren't able to uh, give the fans as much of a thank as they would have wanted to, which was frustrating for them. But there were still claps for those that were nearby the fans toward the end. And it's really frustrating for me when I see people spreading misinformation on social media about the fact that this and suggestions that they didn't do that because I can give you my guarantee as someone who was there, who was watching from the press box, could see a very clear view that they did. Some of them did, uh, who were closest, turned to congratulate the fans. And then the rest that tried to then go over were quickly turned away over fears of a uh, pitch invasion. So where do Arsenal go from here? Well, I spoke to Granit Xhaka after the game and uh, he, I asked him about what he thought um, needs to happen for Arsenal to change and go better and get close to Man City in the future. But he felt that the question would be better directed toward somebody else. And in terms of the future for Arsenal, you know, where they go from here, what do you think needs to still happen at Arsenal to match the likes of Man City in the future? Well, I'm the totally wrong guy, I think, to speak about it. Um, you have the coach, you have um, the guys they are upstairs, they know maybe better than me what's the next step for this yeah. uh, club. But um, it's maybe difficult to speak now about what happened next because we are disappointed and sad. But um, we have to keep going. We have um, we walked 11 months very well, I think. Um, and let's, let's enjoy the last game at home and um, let's see forward. I spoke to Xhaka a little bit more uh, and asked him a couple more questions, which we'll be talking about in tomorrow's show. Um, but uh, certainly, it, he was gutted. You know, you could tell. He was very disappointed that the season has ended the way that it has ended. And uh, he was very disappointed that he couldn't give something um, to what we believe to be, you know, his final season. There are significant reports and suggestions and information out there that he is closing on that move to... Um, by Leverkusen to join up with Xabi Alonso next season and uh, Arsenal will be looking to try and find a replacement based on David Ornstein's reports this morning. Perhaps that will be Ilkay Gundogan, um, which is interesting. And Arsenal is said to be very much one of the key players in trying to push to sign him for a free. So we'll see how that one transpires and we'll talk more about transfers and things like that in tomorrow morning's show. Um, but uh, Pep Guardiola actually came out after yesterday's game um, and after Man City lifted the title. And, you know, a big congratulations to Manchester City. It's not easy to say that. I don't like saying that. Um, I don't want them to win. Um, but maybe maybe less so congratulations to Man City. More so congratulations to Pep Guardiola and his players um, for winning the title. And if you win the amount of games that they've won, especially in a row, it's difficult to say that they you know, based on the football, at least, that they don't deserve to be title winners. Uh, but Guardiola came out after the game and said, I would like on behalf of all the organisation and myself personally to congratulate Mikel. Uh, incredible. A big congratulations for what Arsenal has done. I think Mikel has brought Arsenal to the team it was in the past since many years being far away. A similar battle like Liverpool in previous seasons, so they bring us to our limits. If we don't make this run of 12 games in a row winning after making 50 points in the first leg, it would have been impossible. They lost some points and we were there. We pushed them and at the end we retained the title um yeah look i i can't stress enough how um obviously i understand people don't necessarily always want to hear what has been said um regarding uh the opposition especially when it comes to uh <laughs> you know manchester city which after the game the bbc news desk posted a kind of video discussing uh discussing specifically what uh 
has been going on behind the scenes, the charges that they're embroiled in and the allegations that are still there. And hopefully something is done that we find justice is served with whatever the correct outcome is to this and that the correct outcome is found. But it's not going to come for a long, long time. Suggestions are it could be as many as four years before we see any answers to this. Um, so, yeah, it's a real disappointment that Arsenal couldn't go and take that trophy for themselves. But uh, it is once again going to Manchester. OK, let's go to part two. Your comments, your questions, your thoughts in the chat box right after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, let's jump into the chat then and get some of your really important questions that cannot wait to be answered. And if I don't answer them, you're going to be very disappointed. So as always, we kick off with one of the most important people in the chat box who asked the really groundbreaking questions. Penny Ween, what's your favorite chocolate bar? It's a boost bar, mate. I hope that answers your question. Um, Pedro says, how many points will we clear of third? Loads. Um, I think it's something like 12. Well, there's no way we can finish third. So second is is where we will finish this season, Pedro. Uh, so you can stop your worrying. Uh, Tom says, why was the story about Man City's financial doping such a big story a few months ago, but barely brought up today by commentators other than by the BBC? I don't know, Tom. Um, is the answer. I, I don't know. If you haven't watched the BBC's coverage of it after the game, I'd recommend you go and do that. Um, but the allegations certainly continue uh, to be of high profile and high nature, and a lot of people are still very much concerned about it. Uh, Nexus said, if you had a gun to your head, uh, Arteta is, oh, rather, Arteta did. Arteta is told he needs to win the Champions League next season. How many signings does he need over the summer to win the Champions League? And you want to compete in the Premier League as well. You, can only let, you don't want to let that slide. Um, eight, maybe. I think eight. I think we'll get five. I think Arsenal will look at, hopefully, can get five. Maybe if we're really lucky, get six. But I don't think we're going to get the eight that we need. So I think you're probably going to need about eight to try and win the Champions League next season. And even then, it's not even guaranteed. So um, I'm looking at five, six signings this summer. Um, but eight, I think you're going to have to look to. I think we're still, you know, still a little bit away um, from uh, trying to get to that that but we'll see where we do next season now I was really shocked that we were able to get into a title race this season so who knows I'm always willing to be um yeah I'm always willing to get into a position where hopefully um we can try and compete for those biggest titles and this season we certainly did that to ourselves uh without anyone predicting that that would be the case um let's go to if he says where do we go from here what do you think uh needs to change from us fell falling uh from a cliff towards the end of the season um i mean 
I think it's always going to be about depth. If it, if it's always going to be about making sure that if you lose a Saliba, if you lose a Zinchenko, if you lose a Gabriel Jesus, that the player that is coming in for those players is not either a player that is simply not as good as the first player in the team, alternatively is not of the correct style. And obviously I'm referencing Kieran Tierney when it comes to Zinchenko here, just not of the correct style for what Arteta wants to play. And that's why Kieran Tierney um, should be moved on, not because I don't think he's a good player, because he is a very good player, but just because he doesn't suit the system. Um, and you can't sacrifice a system for one player. The system has got us into the position that we are in this season. It's got us into this title race. And we need to do everything we can to continue to elevate the execution capacity of that system. Um, so I look forward to hopefully seeing Arsenal bring in the players that they need to make that system significantly more effective. Um, Derek says, you've mentioned several times that scoring goals is not our problem. We know we need to improve and deepen the defence in midfield, but I believe this final run of game shows me we need striker help as well. Absolutely. I said scoring goals is not our primary issue. And I think that certainly if you concede 42 goals in a title run, you need to absolutely address that. And that is why my primary source of of need in the summer is always going to be midfield and defence. But that doesn't mean that I'm not keen on Arsenal also to go and strengthen the forward line. I am. So don't fall into that trap of me saying that because I think one thing doesn't mean that I don't think another thing at the same time. We need signings in all areas, but a priority should be to bring in those midfielders and defenders that we need. Um, let's go to Klinks, who says, uh, do you think that Trossard works on the wing? Does he have the explosiveness, etc. required? Is he actually better as a backup as a false nine. I think Trossard's ability to play um, both in the wide areas and potentially in that attacking midfield role and as a centre-forward, a very good level is, is is good. I wouldn't base the end of the season, really, on what we've seen from Trossard. I've loved what I've seen from Trossard this season. I think he's come in and been a really good asset to the team and helped to continue the title charge for as long as it possibly could do. And perhaps if we didn't, you know, if we did not... Um, if we did not bring in Trossard in January, I'm not sure that we would have been able to get as many points as we even have done uh, throughout the course of this season as well. He's been absolutely key to that. The assist that he's brought when he played at centre-forward, I think he's got like, something like seven in six games, something like that. It's mad. Um, and the goal he scored at Brentford against Brentford as well was also important and could have been worth more were it not for that chaotic refereeing calamity. Uh, procrastinating Womble says, Tom, I disagree with you a lot, uh, but you produce balanced and informative content, so a tip of my cap for that. Well, I appreciate that, mate. I'd love to know always what things we can disagree on so we can kind of come to a good debate about stuff. I'm encouraging people that do disagree with me to seek out opportunities to come on the show. It is a chore trying to get people that do to come on, um, but I'm always up for a debate and a chat and a discussion always. Um, Amira says, if you were Edu, how much would you put into a cheeky opening bid for Finicius Jr. His contract ends in 2024. He's rejected a new one a while ago and he'd be adored in the Premier League. Wow, I mean, Real Madrid aren't going to accept anything less than, you know, 150-odd million quid. I wouldn't buy Vinicius Jr. for that amount of money. Um, I think we've got an exceptional young Brazilian talent on our left-hand side. And I think that that money that we would obviously spend to bring in a brilliant, brilliant player in Vinicius Jr. would obviously, I think, be better spent in areas like midfield and the defence. I'd love, you know, if you told me Vinicius Jr. was signed for Arsenal, I'd be delighted. But I'd also be concerned because it would make me think, well, how much have we spent on him? And we need to bring in players in midfield and the defence. And that is... 
That is a problem. Uh, by the way, anyone saying Jaffa cakes is their favourite biscuit is wrong because it's not a biscuit. It's a cake. <laughs> Goodness me. Um, Tom says, uh, uh, sorry, Fuad says, Tom, I was listening to Clive uh, from the Arsenal Vision pod and he mentioned that he could see Ben White playing more centrally next season. Do you see Edu getting a right back to play there in front of White by any chance? Um, I see Arsenal going out to try and sign a player for that right side of the defence. Whether it turns out to be a right back or a right side of centre back or a bit of both, I'm not sure. But Clive's right because whoever we sign has to be as good or capable of being as good as the players that start there. And so obviously if it means that you're bringing in someone that can oust Ben White from that right back role it means he would naturally become more of a rotational option for when we want to rest Saliba or if Saliba's out injured, that you've got Ben White to play that right centre-back role. Ben White is a brilliant player. He's proven to be a great right-back. He's already proven to be a great right-sided centre-back as well. He's a fantastic asset and a brilliant buy that the club have come through with that proved nearly, if not all, of his critics wrong, both last season and this season. So, White will still have a huge part to play in this team, but needs competition, needs to be pushed, needs to be made to be aware that his place in the side is not assured and guaranteed. Um, Jason says, do you think Saka's form has not recovered since the penalty missed? I think Saka's form has dipped significantly since William Saliba has been absent from the side. And I think the numbers absolutely reflect that. He was already seeing some issues before um, the penalty miss against West Ham. But I think it would be naive and ignorant to say that that West Ham moment did not affect his confidence, did not affect him in some way. And I hope he comes back to a brand new season. Um, so, and fully recharged, fully rested, and fully raring and ready to go for the new campaign. Um, Adam says, We ran out of steam towards the end of the season. I think we had a mentality problem too. Which players do you think are those mentality monsters? Um, players like Martin Odegaard, players like William Saliba, players like Zinchenko, Gabriel Jesus, you know, these players have great mentality. It doesn't mean that they're perfect. And, you know, there are times where even Jesus and Zinchenko, I think, have let us down, unfortunately, with some of their displays. Um, and I think, you know, at Man City, both Zinchenko and Jesus didn't have particularly great games. And I think we really lacked their mentality. But, you know, Jorginho, I think, has a fantastic mindset as, as a player. And I think he's been a real asset to this team. Um, I think that Aaron Ramsdale's got a fantastic mindset and mentality. I think Granit Xhaka, who we are losing, has had that as well. Um, I think Bakaya Saka has a great mindset and mentality. I think that he was ultimately affected by, as we've just discussed there, um, a lack of the progression on the right-hand side. And I think also that he was hit by that penalty moment. But I think we need to add some players. You know, Gundogan, if he is brought in, which according to David Ornstein, Arsenal want to do, I think is great. I think Declan Rice and Mason Mount bring brilliant amounts of experience um, and a good mentality to the team as well. I know people aren't necessarily as sold on Mason Mount as, as I am. I really like him as a player. I think that his experience of winning the Champions League as well, uh, as well as his chemistry that he could bring with Rice, those two obviously get on like a house on fire. So that would be great to see those two reunited, I think, could capture their best form playing in their best moments. And I think we could take them both to another level. Uh, and that's an exciting prospect because they've both shown to be very good players outside of, uh, you know, what we've seen. Uh, in recent weeks, particularly from Mount. Um, let's go to um, Penny Wynn says, Jaffa Cake is not a cake. Uh, it certainly is. Legally, it is. And there was a whole legal case behind it because uh, they baked a big one and said, what is this, a biscuit or a cake? And they were like, well, that's a cake. And I said, well, we've just made this cake smaller. And that's how it's a great story if you haven't gone and ever um, found that out. Uh, Mr. Kipling Can't Bake, which, I mean, is kind of 
a well-timed name <laughs> for this discussion. Uh, says, we need rotation. That's literally it. I can't start Saka for 38 games and still expect him to have an impact in the late decisive games. Nelson deserves some starts. We need faith in the squad. We need faith, but we need reinforcement, as Mr. Kipling there says. Um, we need to bring in players that are going to be able to add competition and quality so that if we rotate, if we have injuries, the quality of the side isn't dipping. That's what we need. Benji says, Tom, what would you do if we get Kimmich, if the rumours are leaving uh, are true? I'd be over the moon. Fantastic player. Brilliant, brilliant player. Uh, and would absolutely snap Joshua Kimmich up, Kimmich up in a second. Uh, Peter says, Tom, with the number of times this season where we have shot ourselves in the foot, do you think that's down to a lack of maturity in the team? Uh yeah, probably. Uh, maturity is a word I try and stay away from. I like to use the word experience more because maturity and the opposite of maturity is often described as immaturity. And I don't think there's immaturity in the squad because immaturity, I think, as a term gets used more so for bad behavior and naivety and you know really negative kind of thoughts. And whilst I think there's been some immature moments, um, there have been more moments of inexperience and more moments of mistakes. And I don't think I put that down to immaturity. I put that down to a lack of experience, put it down to the fact we've still got a young squad. But yeah, the opposite of maturity being immaturity, I think creates a problem dynamic when we talk about a lack of maturity in the squads. I like to talk about it as experience. Words matter. You know, we might say, well, that's the same as experience is having maturity, but it's not. And it's important while we have these different words that we use them in the correct context. Um, let's go to boom, 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 boom. Um, Cornish Gunnar says, we so need to get rid of Nketiah this summer. Uh, we should have never signed him onto a new contract. Um, I mean, last summer, we were never signing a striker. Uh, we were always going to try and, on top of Gabriel Jesus, like we were always going to try and bring in that forwards. Um, we were always going to try and bring in uh, a, a defender. We wanted a midfielder and we wanted to bring in also uh, another forward in a wide area, which had to then wait until January because we weren't able to get the players that we wanted. But a centre forward was never really on the radar beyond Jesus last summer. So I understand why they renewed his contract because now we've got a sellable asset this summer. Um, and if we end up making a good amount of money, I don't think there's any argument to suggest that we should have never have signed him onto a new deal. It's that actual process of selling him. And if it even exists, you know, I think that's, that's important. Um, let's Clive's here in the chat box and thank you, mate. Uh, it's a very important topic that I will never, ever, ever shy away from talking about. Um, Benji says, Tom, do you think Arteta will start implementing a plan B next season? He seems way too stubborn and inflexible. I hope the embarrassing way we're ending the season will open his eyes a bit on that front. I think that Arteta's inflexibility regarding tactics is more based upon the lack of options he feels that he has in his squad to be able to deliver better variation of tactics. It's easy to talk about a plan B on paper, but having and executing that with players that he ultimately hasn't got the same amount of faith in or players that he did have faith in that he's now asking questions to about himself, like Smith Rowe, like Fabio Vieira, who he assigned himself, you know, that I think is the reason why you've not necessarily seen the plan Bs be as effective. I also think that he's made mistakes and you have to be upfront about that. I think we made mistakes in terms of we how we changed our strategy at Liverpool. I think going defensive at Liverpool was creating an inevitability that they would score. And we were actually fortunate in the end that we didn't lose that game. So I think if we are able to sign the players, I think that we need, and I think that you all know that we need and that we can add that quality into the side, then if there isn't a plan B or if there isn't structural flexibility, 
in what he wants to do next season, that's when I can start getting concerned. Right now, I'm not concerned because I think there is a good evidence to suggest that he lacks the players in depth that he needs to make those clear changes he might want to. But next season, that is when I um, will do that. Um, let's go. Let's block you uh, from the chat box. Um, let's go to Pinnyween says, Jaffa, biscuit the likes. Goodness me. Please uh, do hit the like button, as Paul says. Very much appreciate it. Uh, Clive says, I thought the fullback experiment was decent. Missing Martinelli killed it, uh, but the back four was the one we should have used rather than holding. I, Me and Clive rarely disagree, but I do disagree on this occasion. I don't agree with it, Clive. From my perspective, and you'll probably, if you hear me talk about it at the start of the show, I think with the, the way that we play, and yes, losing Martinelli is a big part of that, but I think that it ultimately it's an, it creates too much of a skew to the right-hand side. By using Partey on that right-hand side for me and moving him into that position with Kivior acting as like your, your, right, your left-sided Ben White, if you will, for me, it creates far too much of an imbalance and far too much of a skew to the right-hand side. I think that in these moments, it would have been more natural still to use Tierney, even though he's technically not the same and, and the style of play is not the same. I think it creates gr- greater balance having Tierney there whilst we lack... Zinchenko whilst we lack um, Saliba at the moment in time but I think playing Partey and White on the right created a huge imbalance um, and created a far far easier um, situation or question for Nottingham Forest to solve Uh, and that's why for me it wasn't the right choice to go down that route in that game. If we'd have had maybe more time to adjust and used it in other games. I don't know if that would have changed things. Um, but for me, it was not the right pathway. And I think it created far too much of a skew to the right-hand side, which made us too predictable. And Nottingham Forest were very much easy, far easier to um, predict what was going to happen and defend against any attacks that we'd come forward with. Um Let's go to uh, Cornish Gunner says, I do think there's been a change in the attitude from Arteta since the title was lost. To me, he sounds a little less protective of players and more focused on making necessary changes. And that's a good thing. You know, we don't you don't always necessarily want the manager to, you know, die and fall on his sword on certain players. If he's not happy with a signing that he has made, be that Laconga, be that Nuno Tavares, and be that more recently Fabio Vieira. And he is willing to hold his hands up and say, you know what? We were wrong with this signing. We got this signing wrong. I'm going to move them on and I'm going to bring a player in that's different. I'd far, far, far more prefer that to a manager that sticks by a signing forever to their detriment. That's not what you need. That's not what you want. You know, you you do not want to have that situation. And so therefore, I'm far more happy. And, you know, managers and recruitment teams are never perfect. Not all teams make the correct decisions. Man City have made incorrect decisions in the transfer market. Liverpool have, Man United have, Chelsea certainly have, Spurs, oh my goodness. You know, so you're always going to get mistakes. There's always going to be some errors. Not every player is going to work out for you, no matter how good of a recruiter you are, or no matter what all of the data has told you, some players just won't work out. But it takes a different type of manager to hold their hands up and decide, no, we can't go forward with this player anymore. And we need to make a change and we need to admit and we need to just take the cost of how much it took to bring them in, sell them if we can. But you can't have players running down their contracts forever and sticking by Mustafi forever and sticking by Kalasnach forever and sticking by these players that ultimately weren't good enough for too long. We did that for too long, for too many years. We can't do that now. I have the two-year rule for me. 
I've implemented as of this season if Arsenal want to be challenged for the title year on year on year. Two season rule. You get one season to adapt and transition and your second season is your make or break if you've not made it already. So no more than two seasons. I'm willing to give Fabio Vieira another season. But if Mikel Arteta wants to go out and bring in Mason Mount, I have no qualms. <laughs> no qualms with that at all. Uh, Jason says, do you think Arsenal wasted too much time chasing Mudrick and didn't look at the other options quick enough and panicked and bought? No, because Trossard was not a panic buyer. Trossard was an excellent piece of business that I'm very, very happy with. Uh, Massi Bulele says, Tom, do you think City win the league with Haaland, Diaz and Ake out for three plus months in different parts of the season? Probably not. And I've raised this point before. You know, Haaland and Diaz and Ake. I mean, less so Diaz. You know, if you lose Haaland and you lose Ake and you lose, well, who was the other player we kind of lost? I suppose it was kind of a versatile fullback. You know, if they lose Walker, who's been really important for them in taking down wingers on the left-hand side with that pace, like Martinelli, like Vinicius Jr., um, maybe them. But Arsenal more so. It affects Arsenal more because the depth is just nowhere near as good as it is for City. You know, they went and played Liverpool without Haaland and won with Julian Alvarez scoring. If they are without those players for that significant period of time, then maybe. But the one, two off games that they lost players like Haaland for, I know Stones was missing for a, a key part of the first part of the season. I know that they had more injuries in the first part of the season, but still across the whole season, Arsenal, I think, ended up losing players for more than double the amount of days that City lost players for. And no matter what people like to turn around to me and say, stop making excuses, they're not excuses. and You need to get real and just hold your hands up and admit, you know what? The injuries did actually affect us. And the injuries that we did have have had a genuine impact on the reasons for why we weren't as good in the final part of the season. If you're sitting there and going, it's an excuse to say that William Saliba not being there and Tommy Asu not being there and not having Jesus for, you know, nearly half, the, if not all of half of the season had no impact. And, you know, the fact that we lost them and still lost the title is just an excuse. You're wrong. You're wrong <laughs> because evidence tells you from what we've seen on the pitch, from what we've seen in the team, from what we've seen in the performances, that losing Saliba, losing Tomiyasu, losing Jesus, losing Zinchenko at points, you know, has had a significant impact on performance, on output, on the, uh, the demonstration of the quality and the system that we try to execute in every single game. And that is only going to be addressed by more signings. Should we have made more signings before? I can't begrudge them not making more signings. They spent a huge amount of money. We spent more season this season in the summer in January than we've spent in any other season with the, everyone thinking we were only going to try and to get back into that top four and go as far as we could in the Europa League and other competitions as well. But no. Um, and King, this is the mistake that fans make, in my opinion, says it is an excuse. We should have adequately prepared for the inevitable. How can you say that we should have adequately prepared when we've spent more money than we've ever spent in two transfer windows combined across any season in the entire history of this football club and still say we should have been more adequately prepared for these instances? It's just not feasible. You know, if we'd have lost... If we think about the players in this team like Trossard coming in, the second half of the season, if we lost Gabriel Martinelli, you know, who we have lost in that last game, and I don't necessarily put it down to his absence that cost us against Forrest, even though having him would have been a big asset, Trossard is an excellent player that can come in. After we lost Jesus, you know, if we'd have used maybe Trossard in that centre-forward role sooner, maybe we would have seen a better output from him in that centre-forward role. But everywhere else in the team, you know, we are lacking because we've had to replace players. And we've been replacing players for a long time. The summer that we have coming up is not about replacement. 
even though we are going to still have to do that in some instances, like with Granite Xhaka. The summer coming up is about reinforcement. And that's what it is. So, you know, don't talk about these excuses and don't turn your nose up at the word reason or explanation for, because that's what they are. The injuries to Saliba and Tommy Asu and Zinchenko and Jesus, amongst others this season, are reasons for certain deficiencies in the squads that we have tried at this moment in time and up until this moment in time to improve things. Um, <laughs> so there you go. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, we're going to end the show there. Uh, do drop a like on the video. Do subscribe to the channel if you are new. Um, I'll be back tomorrow morning to talk about transfers in a lot more detail. Of course, David Ornstein has dropped some significant news. Uh, I met David at the weekend as well. Really nice guy. And um, yeah, first time I met him in person. So that was... That was nice. Certainly, uh, a also looking for kind of a uh, um, role model. That's the word I'm looking for from from my perspective of the journalistic world. So that was great, and uh, yeah, I look forward hopefully to uh, seeing you all tomorrow to talk about uh, more try to do with transfers, more fallout from the game. Hopefully, I'm doing the lounge tonight. If not, uh, yeah, I'll be back tomorrow morning. Thank you for listening. Um, please make sure you do the research on the Vinicius Junior situation. And uh, educate yourselves on that. It's certainly worth your time and becoming aware of those situations. So there you go. Um, thank you for listening. I'll see you again very, very soon. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered. By fans.